Lord God, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. We truly thank you for who you are and for all that you alone have done, and we thank you for your word and the power of your word. We continue to say if the Holy Spirit, if he doesn't move in this place and give us understanding, we can't do anything. So we say that you're welcome to move and minister however you see fit. Thank you for the power of your word. We know that it's already blessed, so we, we're excited about what you're going to say and what you're going to do uh, in this place this night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, guys. Let's just see. We were in our study time and in our um, time with the Lord. We've just kind of been just seeing what do God has for us tonight. I, I believe that every time that we get together, there's something or a word, a rhema word that God has. So, Tonight, we're just going to ask a question, and we're going to kind of run through this, and we're just going to see. Um, we may be 40 minutes, or we may be less. we we'll just go until the Holy Spirit tells us to stop. If it's 15 minutes, we'll stop then. But I want to ask a question. You know, Pastor's been talking about, do you really care? So we've been asking a lot of questions here at EBC. So I have another one for you tonight, and I want you to write this one down. And I'm going to give you some notes, and as we go through it, I'll tell you what things to that I think that you really want to get. And then, of course, you know, take notes and, um, because the Holy Spirit can say something to you that maybe he didn't say to someone else. But the question is this. Can God be trusted? Answer that. Can God be trusted? Just add, write that down. Can God be trusted? Now, I know what everybody's going to say. We're going to say Yes. Right away, we're going to say yes. But as we go through this, we, we're going to see. What is your answer? Now, trust isn't necessarily an easy thing to come by. But it's one of the most important things if you study Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And, of course, we haven't studied everything. But from our study, it's one of the most important part of our relationship with our God. Now, when times are tough and we're going through things and things are not necessarily going our way, when these are the times sometimes we find ourselves in a situation where it may be difficult to trust our God. Now, we may doubt that God is going to come through for us because of what we're looking at or what we're facing. Sometimes we may feel like we lack faith in the promises of his word, and we worry ourselves to endless thoughts about what's going to happen in our future. But the problem is this. This is the exact opposite of how God really wants us to react in difficult circumstances or situations in our lives. God wants us to be able to trust him when we're having doubts and when we're unsure about what to do and where to go. He really wants us to believe his promises when we think that things are going to get worse or they're not going to get better. But somehow, we feel like sometimes we can't trust our God because we feel that trusting God is impossible because we're looking at certain things in our lives, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships, whether it's our kids, whatever it may be, we don't come out and say this, but sometimes our actions go contrary to what we say the answer to that question is. And I want you to follow me with this. There's a scripture, and we've all heard this, and we've said it over and over and over again, but it's over in Proverbs, the third chapter. And we're going to use this kind of as our taking off scripture but this is not where we're going to land, and we're not really going to stay just that long on it. But it's Proverbs, the third chapter, verses 5 and 6. And we're going to start with the KJV version of this first. And then we're going to go over, I want to look at um, it, the same passage of Scripture in NLT. And keep in mind, as we roll through this, this is our taking off, but this is not where we're going to stay. Let's read it together, and when we read uh, Scripture, um, what I want you to do is it's going to be uh, I want you to participate in this, because sometimes we hear, we hear, we hear Scriptures, but sometimes we're not obeying what the Scripture says. So let's, let's read it, uh, and let's read it together. It says, Proverbs 3 and 5 says what? Trust with all thy heart. 
not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Now, how many of us have heard that over and over and over and over again? Okay, now let's put it in the NLT version. And it says it like this, as they're pulling up. Let's read that, this together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Now, I want you to hold that before you go to six. Look what the scripture says, and it's very clear. Solomon doesn't make a mistake here. He says, trust in the Lord, not with part of your heart, not sometimes, not just when things are good, not when they're bad. It doesn't say that. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Then it tells you something. It says, while you're trusting, this is what I want you to do. Don't lean to your own understanding. Don't lean to what you think is true. Go to the next verse for me, please. And it says, let's read this together. Seek his and he will show you which path to take. Now, what happens here sometimes is we're not seeking his will. And I'm going to tie all this in because the question was, can God be trusted? But we're going to see that if we're not seeking his will, then he can't really show us what path to go or which way to go and which way or which direction or which path to take. Because if we read this and we're true to scripture, it says, seek his way. So that means you, you and I, we should seek his will, his way, and so that we'll know. Why are we seeking it? So we'll know which path to take. Now, in all this, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and like I said, this is kind of our starting off scripture. I don't want to stay here long, but I want to just pull out a couple things. Because we're saying, can we trust God? And I want to give you the definition of trust according to Webster's Dictionary. According to Webster, it it says that trust is the belief that someone or something is reliable, is good, is honest, and is effective. Let me go back over that again. According to Webster's Dictionary about trust, the definition of trust is when we believe that someone or something is good, You got it? It's reliable, or either you put reliable, it's good, it's honest, and it's effective. Reliable, good, honest, and effective. Now, if you just look even just at that dictionary, I mean, at that definition alone, this is the full embodiment of who God is. We know that He's reliable. We know that he's good, we know that he's honest, and we know that he's effective. Now, those are things that we know, and we've been taught down through the years, but there still lies this question that comes up, can God be trusted? And why is it, if we know that he's reliable, he's honest, he's good, and he's effective, why is it so hard for us to trust him In the midst of trouble. Because the question is, can God be trusted? And I think sometimes we need to ask ourselves is, can God trust us? (laughs) But but tonight we're just going to pose, can God be trusted? Because I believe trust really has to, it has to be based on the foundation of those four things. Somebody or something that's reliable, somebody or something that's honest and good and effective. It has to be based on something. And we know we're not good in in of ourselves to do, keep any four of those uh, characteristics in of of, of ourselves. But guys, I really believe as I was studying this and, and, and asking the Holy Spirit to put this down in my spirit, I really believe that one of the reasons that we wrestle with this, we won't honestly say it. We won't say that God can't be trusted, but we're going to look at later on in just a second that sometimes our actions speak louder than our words. So why is it that we we wrestle with this and it's so hard for us to trust God? And as I was saying a minute ago, I believe that it's, it's in our nature 
And because of the environment and society in which we live, we have been programmed to not trust anybody or anything. We've always heard that saying that if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And sometimes we have that same mentality when it comes to our God. Now, we know that there are times that when we hear something or, or sell or, or it may be something that's just off in left field, and we'll say, we'll use that statement, if it's too good to be true, normally it really is. But guys, how many of you know that God is never too good to be true? He really is a good God. And I think that what happens is a lot of times it's become second nature to us without us even realizing that we're doing it. But we've embedded in our subconscious that, you know what, God did it for Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, and on and on and on. But can God really do it for me? Again, we don't say this. But sometimes our actions and, and what we do speaks louder than what we actually say. Uh, now, there's a scripture in uh, Jeremiah, which is the 33rd chapter in verse 3. And guys, put this up there for me. Because God really wants to surprise us in a big way. We sing almost every Sunday or at least one Sunday out of a month how big our God is. But God really wants to surprise us or give us uh, something that, that we are not actually a lot of times deserving. It's Jeremiah, the 33rd chapter, and verse 3. And the new NLT reads like this, ask me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Secrets you do not know about things to come. There's another version that says it's like this, call to me, and this is God talking to Jeremiah, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you don't even know about. Now this is God talking and speaking. Now you may really be surprised that in scripture when you really look at trust, that trust can almost be compared to like a muscle. And anybody know anything about a muscle is the more that you use it, the more you work it, the stronger it gets. And what we have to realize that we can strengthen our trust muscle. But sometimes we don't realize that because we don't really do it. We look at what we see instead of believing what God's word says. Now, let's look at something else. Now, how I'm saying that trust is a muscle and it can be strengthened. So how do we get to the point that we can trust God and move to an arena in our lives that, that we're trusting God even more than what we are now, the way, or more than what we did when we came into this place? I want you to turn. This is where we're going to land at just for a second. I want you to turn to Romans, the 12th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 1, two, th- uh, one through 3. And that's Romans, the uh, 12th chapter, verses one through three. And we're going to start out with the King James Version, and then we're going to switch over to NLT. It's Romans, the 12th chapter, verses one through three. Because we're talking about trust. Can God be trusted? We're talking about what trust is. But then we're also trying to see how in the world, if we're in a situation that we really don't trust God, how do I get from here to here? And guys, I'm going to throw this in kind of parathetically for you. If we're in a state that we're worrying, worrying about a particular thing, I'm not saying that we're not concerned. It's not that we don't think about it, but I'm talking about worrying when we can't get our mind off whatever it it is. Then worrying worrying is opposite of our faith. And, and, and what we try to do is we try to justify, well, I just, I'm a worry wart. Guys, that's against everything that God is teaching us. It, either we're going to trust God or we're not. Either God can be trusted or he can't. It's no middle and in between. And God is really, really trying to get his children and his people to trust him in every situation. And the only way we can do that, and we're going to come through this because I want you to see this. And, and please, please, ma'am, please, sir, I pray that the Holy Spirit write this on your heart tonight. Because we're going to, our faith is going to be tested. 
And it's up to us how we choose to go through whatever the trial or the situation that we face. It's up to us how we go through it. But we can never go through it. And God never meant for us to go through it by ourselves. God has given us the assurance that he's going to be with us. So let's read this. Let's read it together. It says what? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Next verse. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Next verse. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, put it up in the NLT verse. I want those same three verses there because I want you to get this. And this is what is, let's read. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead. Now, hold on, because I'm going to read this one. I want you to listen. I want you to write down some key verses here. Plead, beg, beseech. It doesn't matter how you put it. But Paul is saying here, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging. I, I'm, I'm asking you, strongly encouraging you to give your bodies. And I want you to write down, plead or beg. Then I want you to write down my body. Now, you only have one, so don't, you don't have to make it plural. Just put my body. And what he's saying is, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Now, why do you, why do, you do this? Because the reason we're going to do this, and the reason it should be easy for us to do it, is because of everything that God has done for us. And that's why a minute ago when, when they were singing that song, it resonates in my spirit because if you're really grateful for all that God has done, it's not just on Wednesdays, it's not just on Sundays, but you can just wake up at nighttime and start thanking God for all that he alone has done in your life. And that's why that Paul is saying here to the, uh, the Roman church, and he's also speaking to us here at EBC, that we can present our bodies to God. We do it not because we have to, not because we made to, but we do it because of all, because of all, because of all God has done for us. Now, Paul also goes on and says, says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that we, he will find uh, acceptable. And I'm going to break this down in just a second here. But, and then he says, this is truly the way to worship him. Now, guys, sometimes we miss it because we think worship is just bowing down and lifting up our hands and saying hallelujah and shout. And that may be part of it. But the scripture is very clear when it says that the way we worship God and the way we worship our, our Holy Father is through our giving our bodies to him as a living sacrifice. It's a daily thing. And then Paul goes on and says, he said, now, listen, once you truly do this and you learn how to worship him, he said, now, he tells them something, don't uh, copy don't copy the behavior, behaviors of, of behavior or the customs of this world. In other words, don't take on the world way of doing things. He say, but let, but let. Everybody say, but let. And this means we, you, 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 and myself, we have to let God transform us into a new person. Now, guys, I want you to hear this. We can come to church every Sunday. We can come every Wednesday, but that doesn't necessarily mean that God is transforming us into the person that he wants us to be. Just like you can park, you can go in the garage and stay there all day and stand, but that does not make you a Mercedes-Benz or BMW. It won't. And that's that same mentality that we have to make sure that when we come into um, a relationship with Christ, if we don't allow him 
to change and create in us a new person. And his Holy Spirit does that because when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, our spirit man is changed. But that's something that happened, has to happen on a continual basis. And that is this next part. It says transforms, uh, transform us into a new person by changing the way what? You think. And guys, that's not necessarily easy because we have this way of thinking that can only be changed. And we're going to talk about this in just a second. It can only be our way of thinking can only be changed through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. And it says a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. This is verse 3. He said, I'm giving you a warning. And EBC, I feel like that's what God is just sharing with me to tell you. He's giving you this warning. He's giving you this opportunity to get it right. He's saying, now, I'm giving you this warning. What is the warning? First of all, don't think that you're better than you really are. Now, you can look at that in a whole different light because sometimes you may think, well, I, it's, I'm looking at somebody else and I'm thinking that I'm better than I really are. That could mean that. But it also can mean sometimes we think we're further along spiritually than we really are. And we're deceiving our own selves because it's not God that that's dece we're deceiving, but we're deceiving our own selves. Now, look what he said. He said, be honest. Everybody say honest. Because remember, I told you that trust involves a person that's reliable, good, honest, and effective. This scripture says here, and Paul is saying, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Only you can evaluate where you really are. Only you can evaluate whether or not you really trust your God in the midst of the good times as well as the bad. Only you can decide that. But I heard my daughter say this earlier. If it's in there, it's coming out. <laughs> if you don't trust him, your mouth going to give you away. Your actions going to give you away. If you do trust him, your mouth is going to give you away, and your actions going to give you away. It's something you can't hide. Have you ever seen ladies? How many ladies we have here? Have you ever seen a guy that tried to be cool, and especially when we were coming up, and he had a pimp, you know, he like this, and then sometimes you thought that's the way he walked, and then every now and then he walked, he started doing like this. You're like, oh Lord. <laughs> his, his whole walk is totally different. Then he remembered, oh, this is my walk right here. Eventually, if it's not real, it's going to come out. You can't hide it. But if it is real, it's going to come out too. You can't hide it. Now, what, why is all this important? Why did I spend so much time on this? I'm glad you asked because Old Testament, a lot of times, when they, they talked about uh, in the King James Version, this talking about as a living sacrifice. In Old Testament, a sacrifice is when they actually cut up animals, and it had to be pure, um, but without blemish, and they cut up animals and laid them on the altar, and they cut them into pieces and placed them there. Now, that's kind of where Paul is coming from as a, a reference to Old Testament, and even in Old Testament, God made it really, really clear that sacrifice was important. But it wasn't more important than obedience. So what, what are you saying here? In 2018, God isn't asking us to sacrifice any animals on the cross. Not one Sunday have you heard pastors tell you to bring your chicken, your dog, your favorite pet, or whoever you have, a duck, a rooster, whatever you have. Not one time have you asked, he asked that the Holy Spirit said for you to bring an animal to be sacrificed. But what you do see in Scripture, and it is very clear, that God is asking us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, you may say, Sister Maria, how in the world can I, I, I don't, 
I know a sacrifice usually is dead, and they cut them into pieces and put them on an altar, and, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm alive. So that's even just a con- it's contradictory, even just in sacrifice and then living. So how do I do that? Give me some practical ways of how I can actually co- submit my body to my God in a way that it's considered to be a living sacrifice. Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you about three things, and I want you to write this down. How do you do this? First of all, one of the ways that we can do is by laying aside our own desires to follow him. Laying aside our own desires. Now, I can tell you, and if everybody in here honest, you know this is the truth. That's a lot easier said than done. Laying aside our own desires to follow him or to follow God. That's the first way. But this is the thing. The reason it sounds so difficult and so hard is because of the, something I'm going to give you a little later. But I'll tell you now and I'll, I'll, I'll touch on it a little more just in a little bit. But the reason it's so hard to do is because we try to do it in our own strength. And guys, you can't do it. I can't do it. I can't even love someone else, really, the agape love, in just in my own strength. I can't. Because whether you know it or not, if, you, if you're honest with yourself, you can love somebody, but when they do something really, really to hurt you, you want to cut them off. And sometimes you do. Come on now. Come on. Y- you do. Let somebody hurt you really bad. You want to cut them up. You can't love someone. You can love somebody that's who's lovable and you like. But what about your enemy? Somebody who slept with your own husband and was a friend. Or somebody who, who did something to your child. How can you love them in your own strength? You can't. And see, sometimes we never really get there because we don't like thinking about that because we think, okay, if I've been hurt, if I've been violated, I've been whatever, then, you know, God understand I'm not to love them. That's not what Scripture says. It's not. So the only way that, that we can come into to being able to sacrifice ourselves is learning how to daily lay aside our desires to follow him. The second thing that you can, we can do in order to uh, be consider or uh, commit ourselves as a living sacrifice to our God, is putting all of our energy and our resources at his disposal. All, is not some, all of our energy and our resources at his disposal. Now, I did not say put all your energy and resources to the church or to what, that's not what I said. I said putting all our resources and energy to giving it to him for his disposal, to him, to him, to God, at his disposal. Now, what does that mean? That may mean that God may ask you to do something with something that he's given you that you don't want to do. And what's she going to do? What's she going to do? Have you ever thought that God really may put in your spirit to pay off somebody's home or somebody's car? Or God may put in your spirit to bless somebody with something that, that you think that, my goodness, I would never do, but God put in your spirit, spirit to do. That's not you. That's the Lord. But a lot of times what we do, we wrestle with that because we cannot fathom giving God everything, giving everything back to God that he's given to us. Because after all, we, we're all, everybody in here is very smart and you're very intelligent. And you understand that at the moment that you give all your energy and resources back to God at his disposal, you know he's going to ask you to, requ- he's going to require you to do something that you don't want to do. Yeah, he is. Every time. He's going to require you to do something that you don't want to do. And why does he do it? Because he's trying to get us out of our comfort zone. And most of us are going to God and say, God, use me. I want to be used by him. I want you to use me like never before. I just want to lay hands on them and they just, people just raise up from the dead. You want to just go out and just pray for everybody and that they get healed. But you don't want to go through anything. 
And when God is wanting to use any of us, you see it in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, when he's wanting to use us, a lot of times he's taking us through. Because it's not just the through process, but he's working some stuff in and out of us. And stuff that we don't want to let go. Remember I told you about the renewing of your mind? Most of us don't want to change our thinking. We want to change when we get ready. And when God said it's time for us to change, we don't want to change. The third thing is trusting him to guide us. How do I die daily? Trusting him to guide us. We started with Proverbs, uh, the third chapter, verse 5 and, um, and 6, and it said, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he and he and he will direct your path. Guys, the only way that God is going to actually learn how to guide us and trust us is we have to submit to him. And we do this as a living sacrifice. So let's just roll on down through here. Paul is actually going through all this. And he's saying the reason we can do this is because we should, have a gra- we should be so thankful. So thankful for what God has done, not just for giving us of our sins, but how he continued to, to bless us in spite of ourselves. And we say this almost every Sunday, and I think sometimes it goes over our heads, how God really wants us to be grateful for all that he has done, for the things he's doing, and for the things he's going to do. And the reason we can do that, and the reason we should do that, is simply because of who he is. Now, now some of us may think that, that we are new people, and a lot of times we are, because I believe that if you say that you're saved, it's not up to me to decide that you're not, just like it's not up to you to decide if I'm not. That's between you and your God. But one of the things that I will tell you, that if we are new people, if we have accepted Christ as our personal Savior, at some point, at some point in our lives, our thought process should change. It should. We shouldn't continue to think the same way that we used to think. And guys, how, how, do, we, how do we even get to that? You know, what, what, what do you mean by that? I'm going to, a lot of times we can be in a situation, we can be new people and think that, that we have changed and, and, and we still keep having the same thoughts. I, I thought about the example of small kids playing in mud. I know when we were small, we used to love playing outdoors. And I, I know this generation now don't go outdo- outdoors for very much of anything unless they go into the car. But when we were growing up, we liked to play outside. And we made up our own games because we didn't have money to buy a lot of toys. So, you know, the basketball goal was you throw the ball on top of the house and let it roll down. And if you hit any part of the house, you made the goal. So we, I never missed. I was pretty good. <laughs> and then, but also we played in the mud a lot. I, I used to love to play in mud. And we made, anybody made mud cakes? Okay, so y'all, y'all okay. For city people, you have, what is a mud cake? <laughs> is that something that you make or you buy? Does Brookshire's carry mud cakes? Go and ask them, do they have a mud cake? <laughs> but when we were coming up, we made mud cakes. And if you were outside and you were playing and you got muddy, you got mud all over yourself and all over your clothes, and you went in and you took a bath, and, and we put on those same clothes and we went to the table to eat, don't you think our mom would say something to us? Now, even though we may be clean on the outside, as for uh, we've taken a bath, but we put on those same dirty clothes. And that's the same way it is sometimes spiritually. We're born again. We've accepted Christ as our personal Savior, but what's happening is we're putting on those same dirty thoughts. And they don't have to be thoughts that are perverted. It can just be thoughts that's outside of the will of God. And what happens is when we put those thoughts on, it may be thoughts of, we may be stubborn, we may be arrogant, we may be um, pride, it may be we coveting after something. Those thoughts, they are opposite or contrary to the word of God. And when we do that, what we don't realize is that God is still saying the thoughts that you're thinking have to be brought into captivity. You have to, we have to capture those thoughts so that we're not just standing outside 
the, um, God's will. And what Paul does in this um, 12th chapter here, Paul continues to remind the children uh, of the Roman church and also us. He's reminding us that it's important for us to be a new person, but it's also important that we have a renewed mind. And guys, again, we we begin this by uh, having a renewed mind, by obeying God, and then we also need to make sure that we honor him in the way we live. Now, Paul is, as I said earlier in that first verse of chapter 12, Paul is really pleading with the Christians here to not have the same behavior and not have the same values as as the world does. And guys, as believers, we have to be different. And I don't mean different in a way that we're strange, but we shouldn't act or behave the same way that um, the world does. Now, what also can happen, we can maybe not act the same way, but we can still think the same way, which is just as bad. So um, turn with me and, and, uh, to Romans 8 and 5, because what happens is, In order for us to really get to the point that our mind is being renewed, the only way it can be renewed, and I want you to get this, after you turn, I want you to write this down, because this is something that you cannot miss. And and over in Romans a minute ago, it said, let, you let, you let, you let God transform, transform you. Because this is the thing, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to do his perfect work in us. And if we don't, then we'll remain the same. Yeah, we save. Yeah, if you die right now, you'll go to heaven. But why not live a victorious life here on earth so that we can bring honor to our God? Now, it's only the Holy Spirit, and this is what I want you to get. It's only the Holy Spirit that can renew, re-educate, and redirect our minds. I want to say it again. It's the two, three R's. It's only the Holy Spirit. Who can renew, re-educate, and redirect our minds. And when he does this, he transforms us and he changes our minds into what God wants it to be. We can't do this on our own. And I'm going to keep saying that like a broke record because we cannot do this on our own. It is the Holy Spirit that does this. Now, Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 5 says this, NLT, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Now, this is how you're going to know whether or not you're dominated or you're, you're really a Holy Spirit-led. If you're thinking, and again, I'm not necessarily talking about perverted thinking. It may include that, but it's not limited to that. If your thinking is always about worldly things, then you're probably not controlled by the Holy Spirit. I didn't say it. The scripture said it. But if we're thinking and our thought life is more concentrated on the Holy Spirit and pleasing our God, then that tends, what the scripture said is that we are going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, I said a minute ago that, that, you know, trust is like a muscle. And the more you exercise, the more it grows and and the more it strengthens. So how do you strengthen, how do we strengthen this muscle? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you three things and then I'm done. I told you at the beginning that trust uh, equals the belief that someone or something is what? I gave you uh, four things. Trust is someone, it's belief that someone or something is what? Reliable, good, honest, and effective. So how do we get to the point that we're trusting our God? We trust in God more in our lives, and and we're really getting to the point that we can, we say, God, I know that you're honest. I know that you're good. I know that you're effective. I I know that, um, what was the other one, that you're reliable. How do we get, how do we get to that point? I'm glad you asked, number one. And we talked about this a little, but I want you to write this down. Because God, guys, this, it's not a, it's not a, it's not any magic to this. There's no secret to it. It's very plain in the word of God. And I want you to hear, I want you to hear what God is telling us tonight. Number one, the way do we get there? How do we get to the point that we can really say, can God be trusted? And you can actually say, yes, God can be trusted. And not only can he be trusted, I trust him. Number one, surrender yourself and all of your troubles to God. Write that down. Surrender yourself 
and all of your troubles to God. Anything that's troubling you, God wants you to surrender it to him. Anything that's troubling you or troubling us, God wants us to surrender that to him. When we really realize that there's a supernatural strength available to us from above, then our perspective on life really should change. We have to learn how we have to move from worry to worship by realizing that God is in control of every circumstance in our lives. Nothing happens in our lives by happenstance. Nothing. Let our God be the master over us in everything in our lives. Once we stop trying to do things in our own strength, God can take over and lift us to new heights. Guys, God is just really saying tonight, you, would, you and I, we were never designed to go through life by ourselves. God is saying that he wants us to literally surrender ourselves, our bodies, our situation, our troubles, our fears, our insecurities, everything that we're dealing with, we can trust him. I told you a minute ago, and I think all of us agree, God is reliable. He's honest. He's good. He's effective. We can trust him. So the first thing is, how do we move to trusting him? We, we got to give him something. Give him ourselves. And then give him the issues that you're facing. Because we talked about this once before. A lot of times what we do is we give it to him and then we take it back. Because we don't trust him. And they used to say this, and I don't mean this in a, a, a derogatory manner, but they used to say that was the end of your giver. You give something and you take it back. God is saying, give it to me and trust me. Because what happens is sometimes God doesn't come when we want him to come. So therefore, we jump in and help, to help him out. Because after all, how many of you know God really needs some help? Yeah. You saw it all through the Bible. Eve did it, Sarah did, you know, you go on and on, Mary and Martha. I mean, they doubted. They, they, they tried to help him out, and we do too. So the second thing, so the first was surrender ourselves and all our troubles to him. The second thing, replace negative thoughts with positive one. And I'm, this is not some supernatural, um, just, uh, oh, I'm going to think on positive things. I'm not talking about that. There are times that when we're going through and we're facing things, thoughts will come because that's what the enemy does. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus Christ came and God sent him to give us life and give, it, give us life and have, give it more abundantly. So when negative thoughts come, we have to learn how to chase those things out with the word of God. And our thoughts are extremely powerful whether you realize it or not. You can sit there. And you can actually, your thought process can affect your mood, it can affect your attitude, and it can even affect your actions, depending on what you're thinking about. Have you ever got up and you listened, you just thought, okay, I'm going to have a bad day. Next thing you know, you're having a bad day. Your thought process can affect literally your attitude, your mood, your action. It can affect you. So when those thoughts come, you have to, or we have to, use the word of God to chase those thoughts that are not in line with God's word. We have to use them to chase them, chase them out. And guys, that brings me to the, the B part under this one. Uh, how uh, I, The second was, I said, replace negative thoughts with positive one. There's a B part I want you to do right here is the only way that can be done is spending time with our God. Your study time. Now, I'm going to say this because I, I, I know I probably sound like a broke record. If you talk to me long enough, if we're talking about anything of substance, I probably share this with you. That is, there's no way we can grow if we don't spend time with God. Why? Because we're His. And that's the way He made it. So we can go through the motion. We can prepare for Sunday school. We can prepare for a message. We prepare for all this other stuff. But until we get some personal time with the Lord, make an appointment. How many of you have doctor's appointment or dentist appointments or some type of appointment? Hair, okay, for ladies, hair appointments. 
I guarantee you, if you're natural, even if you, I'll say natural, if you're natural and you get your hair wet, you're, going, you're not going to miss your, your salon uh, appointment. Or if you're going on a cruise and you want to get braids, you, you're not going to miss that appointment. It can be at 5.30 in the morning, you're going. If you got a perm and you know it's time for a perm, you're not going to miss that appointment. Why? Because you deem it to be important. Or if you're hungry, and uh, if you're like passionate who love uh, 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 food, if you're hungry, it's not too many meals you're going to miss. You may miss one when you have to, but every now and then you're like, okay, no, I got, I got to stop and eat. I don't care what's going on, I have to eat. Or if you're thirsty, you need some water. There's sometimes that nothing that would quench your thirst like water. Guys, that's that same, even more so, the attitude that we should have when we set an appointment uh, with God. Now, your appointment may be early in the morning, may be at noon, it may be at night. I'm not telling you when, but guys, I am encouraging you. I'm pleading with you. I'm, be, I'm, I'm doing like Paul. I beseech you, my brothers and my sisters, that you and I, we need to spend time with our God. And this time is not so we can tell other people how long we spend. You know, God, I pray five hours, and I pray for everybody. You know, and when I pray that my prayers get answered, that's not why we pray. It's not so you can brag about how many hours you spent in prayer. It is your time with the Lord. It doesn't matter whether it's five hours or five minutes. If you only have five minutes, God will meet you where you are. Because this is the thing, if you start spending five minutes with the Lord, you're going to want more. That's just the way my God is. When you start really getting this word in, you're going to want more. And I know I hear some, and I've heard this so many times, well, I don't understand the Bible. I don't understand. Guys, you will never understand it because it's not like a, a textbook. The understanding and the revelation comes from the Holy Spirit. And the same way the Holy Spirit will give Brother Charles, a pastor, or somebody else an understanding, he'll give it to you. But what happens is the, the word of God comes like this. You have to dig for it. If you think that it's going to be something that you just read and pick up like a book and it's going to be surface reading and you're going to get an understanding of a revelation and God's going to use you to move mountain, I'm telling you, you in for a sad awakening because it's not going to happen. If you spend time with God, you, people going to know it. Someone said the other day, and I can't remember who said this, but I think it's, it's true. They said the sheep, a shepherd needs to smell like his sheep. If a shepherd is really a good shepherd, he's going to smell. He's going to get that smell on him. And that's the same way it is about Jesus Christ. If you really love him, you need to start smelling like him. Yeah, just, mm, that's a little must, but that's, that's, how, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. <laughs> you know, you can just put anything on Jesus. You know, that's Jesus. <laughs> You need to smell like him. And that will never happen if we don't spend time with him. And the last one is this. Ask God to give us patience. How do we get to trust our God? We first submit everything to him. We give ourselves. We give our issues to him. And then when these thoughts and these uh, negative thoughts come, we replace them with the word of God. And the only way that comes is through this, our study time. And then the third thing, that what builds our strength and our trust in God is ask God patience and just go to him and just like you and I are talking, God, this is where I am. I realize that sometimes I don't trust you, but God, I want to. And I'm asking you to help me. And see, this is the thing. God is not like man. He didn't hold things over our heads. We can mess up so many times and God still comes back and I can, we can come back to him and he still loves us. He that, I mean, it's not like he's going to say, no, you get away from me. You done. You messed up. God is not like that. And see, sometimes we don't get that revelation because we don't spend time with him. And we base our God on what we see other people do or say. And we think God is not like the same way, but he's not. God is a loving God. and He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. And that's why when you really come to a, a revelation and understand who he is and not just what he does for you, you can praise him when there's nobody else around. You say, God, I thank you. I'm grateful for what you're doing and for who you are and, and just God for just being, I mean, for, for allowing me to see the sun. Now I'm going to read something and I'm closing with this. A good friend of mine sent this to me and I thought it was uh, awesome and it went along with what we were talking about um, 
uh, tonight. And, and again, those three things. First, we give ourselves to God and all our problems and our situations. The, the second thing, we, we dismiss the negative thoughts and replace them with positive thoughts. The other thing, the third thing is asking God to give us the patience that we lead, need. Because we have to understand that, that God is there with us and he's always going through and he'll give us the patience and help us to, to trust him when he knows that that's our desire. But I'm going to read something to you. It's not something I, I wrote out. This is something that somebody sent to me and it was a blessing. The title of it, and I'm going to read just a little of it. It says, Joseph, the man with a divine purpose. And I want you to listen to this because it really blessed me. It said, Joseph had a lot of things going his way in life at first. He was handsome. He was the firstborn to Jacob through Rachel, and therefore he was his father's favorite son. He had great dreams that made him feel good about himself. But then one day his entire life changed. Can you imagine how it must have felt to know your brothers hated you so much that they would sell you out of their lives? He was forced to leave the comfortable life he had known, full of love from his parents and go far into the unknown. How frightening that must have been for a boy of 17. See, sometimes when we go through scripture, we never put really a face to the people that's there and realize they were real people. Yet, God had his hand on Joseph. God had a divine purpose for this young man. Joseph didn't know why God had chosen this path for his life until the very end, yet he never seemed to waver. God was always in control. Joseph kept his eyes on God, and he used Joseph greatly. What an encouragement to us. Let God use you where you are. Let him use you in the hard times as well as the good times. Now, why in the world did I read that to you? Because God is really trying to remind us that he's never, everybody say never, he's never a second too late. He's always on time. He shows up on time in every situation. He wants us to understand that we can trust him in and for every situation that comes into our lives. And always remember, he's in control. He's in control. My question to you tonight is, can God be trusted? And I'm going to tell you that that is a resounding yes, he can be trusted. But it's up to you whether or not you trust him. Because he's not going to make you. And the way that you know that you trust him is when you're in a situation where you need him to be uh, reliable, you need him to be honest, good, effective, and you need to, it's out of your control. Let's bow and pray.